Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we got a, one of the things I really enjoy getting, which was a question from a, a listener. So this Yay. is from this is off of Twitter, and uh, Eden uh, messaged me and said, uh, maybe you could do an episode about what great companies have in common and how to find one as a software developer who is looking for a new job. And I thought, wow, that's a big topic. <laughs> it any any thoughts, Squirrel, uh, right, off, right off the bat? Well, when I read this, you forwarded it to me a couple of days ago, and I looked at it and I said, man, that's such a big question, and, and we're going to have to give some disclaimers. So uh, here, here's, here's my two um, kind of get-out clauses. Uh, the first one is there's only so much you can tell from the interview process. So I do an awful lot of hiring. I, I did a calculation a while ago, and I, I figured out I've interviewed uh, 1,500 developers for developer roles over my many years doing this. I don't know if you have a similar number, Jeffrey, but... Um, mm. So I have some experience of doing this, and I, I coach teams and companies in, in how to do it. So I'm perfectly happy to talk about what uh, I think a good uh, hiring process would look like and what you would see as a developer in that good hiring process. But of course, that may not correlate to a great company. It may be that the great company uh, has a great hiring process, but it, it is actually isn't great. Uh, and it's good at hiring, but not at other things. And the other possibility, of course, is that we're going to give you a biased answer, right? We're going to tell you um, that, for example, here's a big spoiler, uh, that, that the company should be uh, 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 transparent and curious. And, and if you don't value <laughs> those things, you're, you're, first of all, listening to the wrong podcast, and, and then also you might be disappointed. So uh, I think we have to say this is going to be a, a biased answer toward what we think a, a great company would be. And we're only going to be able to tell you what you can see in the interview process. But I think there's still a lot that we can say to, to uh, this question, uh, even with those limitations. What do you think? I think so. And I, I would just add one other thing on, on top of it, which I think is uh, that which I felt a little bit exposed by uh, in, in reading this question, which is I would have to say, like, gosh, have I ever uh, actually worked for a great company? That's a, that was a question that I uh, was 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 pondering. Um, and, I, and I think it, it comes on a partially the question of what do you think of as being great? Like I, I've had times where it was a it was a great time and I think it was a great experience. And I thought the way we related to one another was great. So I've had some, some things that were very valuable, but if someone's saying, well, you know, you didn't get the best commercial outcome, you know, so if, if, if a great company means great on every dimension, you know, uh, great, uh, relationships between people, great technical practices, uh, great culture of learning and, and great commercial success and all of this together, I would say, well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer. So I, I will say this, my, uh, my, my, my response is going to be limited by my experience uh, to say, what are the things that I have found great? And what are the things that I have used as a guide to, to find those opportunities? Mm -hmm. Well, super. Well, with those disclaimers, maybe we can still try and answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. if, if, if you're looking for any of those things that we said we're not going to do, um, you, you can go do something else now because uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're not going to help you. But if you're looking for a company that's transparent and curious and that um, we would be happy in and that you can uh, and you're willing to judge it based on its interview process, I think we can say something. Should I start or do you want to, Jeffrey? Uh, well, I, I will start with one element because one thing that it reminded me of uh, right off the bat was a, a, a story from Alistair Coburn from uh, many, many years ago. I remember him talking about visiting someone that he knew at a company in Australia. 
and I'm not sure why that part sticks in my mind, but that's that's what I recall. And the person asked him to come in, the person that he knew had recently taken over as some sort of head of engineering role and wanted him to come help do an assessment of the of the team. And uh, in Alistair's telling of the story, he was walking around and after not very long uh, on site, he told him, he says, well, I don't think it looks very good. Um, although knowing Alistair, he probably worded a bit stronger than that. Oh, and, yes. And, his, his friend was was surprised and a bit taken aback. He said, well, why, why? Why do you say that? And Alistair, now you have to remember the, the timing here. This was you know late 90s, early, in late 90s or early 2000s. And Alistair said, well, they're not curious because I look around in all the developers' desks and I don't see any books. And uh, if, if, if there's no books, that's a sign that these people aren't curious about learning and expanding their skill set. And that's not a good sign. That's that's probably a sign that you, you're, you're going to be stuck. And, and Carefully, that, I'm that, not sure I know what you mean. That books can be on desks. It must mean Kindles. <laughs> yeah, no. This is this is back in the time when when the you know the the stack of, of books uh, from um, you know the various publishers would, would you know that might come to mind would would be uh, more prevalent. You know, O'Reilly books, the Animal series, or uh, 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 other uh, big ones of the, of the time that were coming out with all kinds of technical books, which seemed to be a much bigger, more obvious, I'll say, business at the time when, first of all, you could see each other's desks <laughs> and there were fewer electronic books. And that raises a question, which I'll, I'll just I'll just mention here. Is that okay if I come in to mention something so oh, I don't please. forget it? Yeah. So, so it just strikes me that one of the things that's going to be hard for you to judge when you're looking is uh, to, to try to figure out whether people are curious. Are they actually reading and in investigating and so on? And you're going to have to ask questions because you may not be in the office. You may be doing it all remotely, like Jeffrey and I are doing this podcast by coast, by continentally, right? Jeffrey's on another <laughs> continent. Right. Um, so I, I couldn't see whether Jeffrey has a book on his desk, but I, I can certainly ask him and I can say, what books have you read recently? What books has your team read recently? That would be yes. a mind blower. Does your team read books together? Um, and, and and what have you learned recently or what are you investigating? I, I just We'll put that on the list of things that you can interview the company about in order to, to find out uh, whether they're curious enough. Yes. And I, and I think this is the, the, the key element for me is that openness to learning in the company. And I, and I can contrast uh, uh, two companies that I worked for and uh, one where uh, the, the company's practices, you know, it, coming from Silicon Valley were, were relatively, uh, uh, in my ways, uh, thinking relatively mature in some, in some dimensions, but the company itself was very open to learning and adopting new policies. And, and that was great. And that, by contrast, I remember working for a company, we had a new VP of engineering come in and he literally said uh, to the company, well, well, introduce himself, well, you can't learn anything from books. And I was, I was, mm. I was appalled. And this is someone who I think they they had a lot of experience and they probably knew a lot of things. And but it, it was very clear in my mind that we were going to be limited by their personal experience. <laughs> they they weren't looking beyond that because they had this idea that oh, you can only learn from experience. You can't go and learn from other people's experience that have been recorded on paper, which is just an astounding. Uh, still uh, astounding uh, mindset to me. Certainly. Um, I, I'm not sure that as we were just saying that I'm attached to paper anymore, but certainly we wouldn't have made 180 episodes of this podcast if we didn't think people could learn from each other's experiences. So there, there's our bias coming in. If you agree with that person, 
probably no, you, you don't need the rest of this podcast. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> not, not be able to help you so much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, probably so. Okay. So uh, uh, Alistair's criterion is, uh, are they reading? Are they curious? And, and yep. we have some questions that we can ask them about that. Do you, do you have more? Uh, should I come in with a few? What would be helpful? Well, I think there's one other element which stands out to me, uh, which is uh, um, the people that I know, uh, the, the people who I know who uh, are curious and have a similar mindset become very valuable uh, 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 pointers to where there's opportunities of the type that I would appreciate. And it, for me personally, what stands out, and I was reflecting about this before this topic came up, or maybe actually since the topic came up, but before we decided we were going to do it, I was I was looking back in how my time with KitCon, uh, the Continuous Integration and Testing Conference, was such a great way of meeting like-minded people and people had a similar set of values. And uh, I hear you led... met this guy named after a rodent there. <laughs> and he right, got squirrel. you a job and helped you to move to England. Exactly. And I think we'd also mention there, Squirrels, that you know when I, when I joined Tim, there were a number of other people who you had met at KitCon who were there as well was a great recruiting ground for me. So on the other side, I was looking at KitCon as a place I could go to find like-minded people who could come work at the company. Uh, I found you among many others, and that was a great thing. You could do the same on the other side. And, and, I, and I think, that, and I've had some similar experiences um, at uh, uh, DevOps days, uh, um, in, uh, which is something I've attended a few mm. times and meeting yep. people there. And um, more recently, the uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit. So I've kind of uh, come across these different conferences. Now, it makes sense because conferences are places you can confer <laughs> with, with people in your industry. And that's going to be a good opportunity to find people who are like-minded and uh, develop those relationships and ask them about their own experiences. Do you know of companies who are uh, have an approach towards problems that you value? And, and I think it's, there's an element here of selection bias. And, and that's, I'll say, is the key thing is we're looking for, for uh, uh, finding biases that we can use in our favor here. And, uh, and so going out and meeting people through meetups or conferences are a way to do that. I think maybe conferences uh, uh, maybe are, are because they're a little bit uh, higher barrier entry uh, um, might be more promising, but I'm not sure. It, you know, I've also met interesting people in meetups. But in general, I'd say that the people who share my values about learning and improving, they tend to be actively out there trying to learn and improve. And therefore, that's how I will find them. Got it. So that's a way of actually identifying the company before you meet the company. Uh, I've got a couple of things that I can say about how I tell companies to do their interviews. So when they are interviewing you, what sort of questions might you look for them to ask you? So you might have already gone to the conference and talked to somebody about what you'd like to look for, and you've, you've found a few candidates and you've talked to them. Maybe you've interviewed them and asked them some questions about their curiosity. What are they going to do with you that might be a positive indicator? So I'm, I'm going to make, again, my biased, um, uh, uh, opinionated view. Uh, here's the first and most important for me, uh, beyond the things we've already said, which are also important. Uh, and that is, do they ask candidates to do some part of the job? And the way I used to say this is, uh, quoting a, a, a very long ago blogger named Joel Spolsky, uh, do people write code in their interview? 
And that was, I think, question 11 of the, the Joel test. Uh, we'll, we'll link to the Joel test for, for some historical joy uh, because it's such a great test and still companies fail questions on the Joel test, which is astonishing. But um, one of them was, do candidates write code in their interview? I now would broaden that to say, do candidates do something that is um, an example of their work uh, in, in, in as realistic a situation as possible during their interview process? And I say that because uh, I don't know a way to tell whether somebody is a great designer without having them design something. I don't know a way to tell whether someone is a great product manager unless I say, hey, can you design um, uh, this product for me? And I have some, some, some sneaky things that I do to try to uh, get them working and, and being creative and, and handle curveballs and surprises. Uh, and similarly, uh, I want developers writing code in the interview. Now, now there's something that you'll find if you go search for uh, whiteboard interviews or, or coding tests or something that you'll find a, a, a class of people often in a hacker news who, who say that's a terrible thing. Um, there are a bunch of um, kind of random algorithms and you have to go memorize them. And apparently folks like Google and Facebook do this, although I've interviewed there and, and, and my experience wasn't like that. But, but apparently for some types of roles, uh, you know, they're, they're asking you to, I don't know, um, balance a B tree or something like that, something that would you would study in computer science courses. That is not what I mean. Uh, so companies that do that may also be great. There, there could be some other good thing that happens there, but that's not the discriminating factor for me. What I'm looking for is an experience that is not, um, please go to the whiteboard, Jeffrey, and do this thing that you've never seen before and um, sweat <laughs> and look uh, um, uncomfortable and don't have any kind of help or uh, integrated development environment or Google or anything and do this completely unnatural thing. This is the opposite of what I mean. What I mean is uh, uh, go uh, 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 work with me, ideally on a, a real computer. I also do it on paper, but I do it with the person um, and, and I invite them to ask questions and uh, I help them, and, and it is a pair programming session that I do with the person, and, and just the same for a designer or a product manager, or increasingly I'm helping to hire folks like CTOs and um, heads of product. That's my, my model in the last few years has been to help at that level. And there I have a whole process called a, a reverse interview where the, the person engages on a real problem, interviews people in the company, and then comes back with their plans just as they might do in their first week being handed um, one of several problems that the, the that person would be dealing with across their whole organization. So all of those kinds of um, practical engagements with real problems that are supportive and helpful and not kind of stand at a whiteboard and sweat. Uh, if, if they ask you to do something like that, I think you're uh, you're on to something that could be a winner. Uh, so that's one of my one of my two. Um, and the other is, um, are they asking you questions about culture? So uh, one of the things we talk about, you know, it's on the front uh, of our book. I'm looking at Agile Conversations right now. It says, transform your conversations, transform your culture. And uh, if, if they're not asking you cultural fit questions, if, if they go the other direction, if they were just to, to have you do the job and uh, the company is not asking you, um, uh, uh, would you be comfortable with uh, this type of situation? Would you be comfortable phoning a user, for example, and um, uh, interacting with them? Would you be? Would you mind being on the customer support desk for a day? Um, you know, would that be something that would work for you? They're filtering for the sort of person that they want to hire. Now, I would like to work for a company that wants developers on the customer support calls. You might not, so it might be that um, their their questions help you to determine you're not a good fit. Great, they're working. It may also be that they ask you questions and most of your answers are yes. 
that would be a good sign. They're, they're thinking about culture. They're interested in creating a positive culture and a, and a defined one. They know what the culture should be, and they're filtering for people like that. That means you're more likely to find like-minded people. So those are my two main pieces of advice I give to folks who ask me how to hire. I say practical engagement and uh, cultural filtering. And I think those are things that you could use when you're looking on the other side of the table. I like it. As we as we went through our, our kind of heuristics here, I'm reminded a bit of the uh, epilogue of Extreme Programming Explained by Kent Beck. And at, at the end of the first edition, he, he mentions that all methodologies are based on fear. <laughs> mm. And I think I know as I'm as I'm listening, I'm, I'm what resonates with me is the kind of things I would look for to av- avoid the situations that I fear that I've been exposed to in the past. And uh, it, you know, I'm, for me, the concerns are places that don't want to be better, that they're not open to learning, trying different things, and and therefore that that's what I'm what I'm looking for. And so I would I, I would be asking questions. You know, uh, address that fear. Um, you know, are, are you? Uh, can you tell me about the times that you learned from experience? <laughs> you know, how do you do your um, postmortem incident analysis? Do you do you have you know demonstrated evidence of learning? But it's all a, fa- a function of what I'm, what I'm, what I fear, and what I you know believe to be characteristics of great environments, which are ones that focus on learning and, and those elements. But I think in, in your questions, I hear. You're you're avoiding the problems that you've seen on the development teams that you've been brought in to help. <laughs> Absolutely, and and what often happens, and you're right, Tommy. Identify those fears. What what often happens is you get people who uh, can't really do the job, and they may uh, uh, be and that the way they can't do the job is either they don't fit the culture, and therefore they're they're not able to function effectively in the organization that they're in, or or there is no culture, so there's there's no. Um, uh, mechanism for improvement and 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 uh, co- um, coherence among the team, or they just can't do the job. They literally can't write code or um, design a new product or um, interview a user. There there are skills that they're that they need to have and they don't have them. And uh, I it would be I could tell you some shocking stories of clients I've had where people were just not qualified on either of those axes or both. And uh, that, that's often when they uh, need my help the most. But uh, try to avoid those. <laughs> you don't want those. You want the ones that are the opposite, uh, where there's an interest in learning, uh, where that's coming through in both their actions and the answers to the, your questions and in their questions to you, uh, where there's a focus on culture and uh, where uh, they're filtering for people who can do the job. I think those would be um, some good criteria to use. What do you think, Jeffrey? I, I, I love it. And, and and I think this is one of the times where I'm really keen to hear um, from our listeners, because you and I essentially have laid out what we think uh, our idea of a great environment would be. I'm curious what other people think of when they think of a great company. You know, what are the elements that would make a great company, either as a software developer or not in, in your role? What What makes great? And would the criteria that we talked about help you identify those great companies. Because if not, you know, I can imagine us doing a follow-up about, you know, here's here's other attributes of great companies that we didn't touch on and uh, how you might go about finding them. Fantastic. Well, we'd love to do that follow-up. And the way we'd get that is that you, just like this listener, would uh, come to us on uh, Twitter, which is, I think, what this listener used. You can use email. Um, you probably can use WhatsApp and carrier pigeon. I mean, my phone number is on my, you know, on my website. So, you know, pick up the phone. 
any method that you want to use, please get in touch with us. The place to start is agileconversations.com, which has lots of those communication channels on it. So please get in touch with us there. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, your disagreement, uh, your ideas about what a great company is. And of course, we'll also be back here next week, uh, uh, every Wednesday, as always, with another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Will.